Hello, this is uh, Chris Burns uh, from the European Parliament here in Strasbourg for this live event with the EPP group. And joining us is Andreas Schwab, the rapporteur, the author uh, of the Digital Markets Act, the DMA. And that's what we're going to be talking about over this roughly next half hour. Welcome, Andreas. Hi, Chris. Good to see you. We pulled you there out of the Parliament just now. And uh, we have a little bit of quality time with you to talk about this because it's been, you've been working a very long time uh, on this Digital Markets Act, which is supposed to make uh, conditions better for consumers, for you, for companies uh, in uh, Europe to do business, not to be crushed by the gatekeepers, by the Googzillas of the world. And that's what we're talking about here right now. A couple of tech tips before we get down to business. Uh, questions you can send through the YouTube chat. Uh, and uh, keep in mind at EPP Group uh, for any tweets you would like to make if you hear a good soundbite from uh, Andreas. That would be great to cast uh, wider. What we should do is maybe get a, to get started because this, this Digital Markets Act is fresh. We have finally gotten all three parts of the, Euro of the uh, European Union, the, the, the Parliament, the Council, uh, and the Commission together on this uh, just last month uh, in March. And uh, these this three-way talks that, that, that is a final step before we go to approving it in the Parliament uh, and in the Council among the, uh, the national governments. It was eight hours of talks there. That was some pretty good tough talks, wasn't it? Well, I mean, uh, if you consider the situation before uh, the Commission's proposal, the Council position and the Parliament, I think eight hours wasn't that hard. Hmm. But um, in the end, it was a long walk to go, and it was only the last meeting where we needed eight hours. We were uh, doing four meetings uh, together. But I'm very satisfied that in the end, we could achieve a quite a good result. And I think that in important points, the European Parliament has made it, and I'm very proud on that. So what are the couple more you know, important parts for consumers? They have more choice, or they should have more choice. Businesses won't be crushed by the big guys. Well, I mean, it's a very horizontal approach. We, what we wanted to achieve was all the time to make sure that there is more contestability in markets, mm. uh, that there are the principles of an open and fair economy respected by all market participants, by all companies. And for sure, if you, if you translate that into concrete conditions, into the do's and don'ts in Article 5 and 6, then you will also discover what consumers and users and companies will benefit from. Mm. Um, and I think there is a, a large share for them to have opportunities with. Let's give one example, maybe, in terms of messaging, I think, right? That there has to be interoperability among the messaging that the, the big messengers like Facebook Messenger and, and WhatsApp and so forth, that they can't dominate as, as they have up to now, right? Well, I mean, it's true. Most of us will have the experience uh, there is in the, in the school class of your children or in the kindergarten, there is a parents group in, on WhatsApp or yeah. there is a, a classmates group on WhatsApp. And all these groups that create some sort of pressure on you to participate uh, in specific services of gatekeepers, mm. although you may have decided that you don't want to be there. And um, this dominance of market uh, position is a, is a reason to say, Let's open this again. Let's create innovative services. Let's go for interoperability. And therefore, the Digital Markets Act foresees also, and this is new, it has come uh, from within the parliament. It foresees one area. This is the messenger services where we want gatekeepers to open their services to competitors if these competitors do want that and uh, go for reasonable requests. Okay. Um, anything more about choice that the consumers now will have or should have more choice 
uh, if if there's uh, less dominance, right? Well, the, the whole uh, the whole reflection is that you are as a user, as a company in the digital market, but also as a consumer, you are faced with lock-in situations mm. where you where you're faced with bottlenecks where you have to go if you want to be there. Yeah. And to break up the bottlenecks and to open up these lock-in effects, um, um, we have had a certain number of proposals where we want consumers to choose them mm. with the uh, choice screens, with a ban on tying, so that they can, for example, uh, on the search engine, on a new bought product, choose themselves which one they want to use. Mm -hmm. uh, that they can also, in other areas, choose uh, the service they want to stay with, for example, email, yeah. and that there has to be an offer for them to make it easy to enter their own uh, service to, to continue to work for them. And what about on the business side? Uh, this is aimed at allowing more European businesses to thrive online. Well, I think it's, it's, I think it's not European or whatever. It's to allow new businesses to enter the market okay. and to stay there and to compete. Mm. And what we have seen in the past, and there are also examples, is that gatekeepers have been buying smaller companies right. just to create a higher empire for them but not to allow better for better services, but to just uh, defend their own market position. Mm -hmm. And for sure, this is fair to a certain extent, but there are also the merger rules in the European Union, and we want them to be more respected, especially in digital markets where the movement is so fast. And therefore, we have also gone on that to make sure that mergers are controlled at a much earlier place. So which companies are we talking about? This doesn't uh, affect the smaller ones. I mean, where do we... I, I see market capitalization of at least 75 billion euros or an annual turnover of 7.5 billion, that's... Well, I think big. what we want to do at the beginning is to say, we wanted to avoid red tape. Yeah. So this is only on the iceberg's top, a yeah. regulation on fixing the biggest problem, the worst situations, and not everything, because you cannot fix everything, and not yeah. at all at once. Yeah. So we have to focus on the biggest problems. And therefore, we have been deciding that there has to be a certain number of conditions, 45 million users, active end users, mm. or 10 million um, business users right. uh, as core platform service, which can be a search engine, email, uh, or whatever other service. And you have to have a company behind. Very often they have several core platform services, which is very big, mm -hmm. um, can be 7.5 billion of market uh, of turnover or turnover. 75 a billion of market capitalization. Mm -hmm. And if you are in that field, then there will be a designation process by the European Commission and you will be designated as a gatekeeper. And then you have to stick to the pledges, to right. the rules that are done in five and six. Okay, so immediately comes to mind, right, you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apple is, uh, is 2.5 trillion, five times the GDP of Belgium. So, but are there any European companies that fall in that? Category, well, there, there, there are, uh, you know, it's very difficult to speculate at that moment in time because the Commission will start the designation process at the beginning of next year. They will designate who's the gate, who are gatekeepers exactly. that need to be regulated. What will they right? do? They will go to the stock markets. They will go on the analysis of the web. Okay. They will see the core platform services and they will see which company has the market cap which is needed, mm -hmm. which company has the core platform services that are most dominant. Right. Uh, and most closing uh, the markets, uh, and which are the number of business users, of active end users, and then they will come with the designation process forward. Hmm. It's true that the uh, GAFAM uh, are most likely in there, yeah. but there are also European and non-European companies, by the way, okay. um, that might likely be there as well. Okay, and let's talk about teeth. Before we get to your questions, and please do send in your questions. We want to get to as many of them as we can. What about teeth? What about the enforcement part of it? How tough is that enforcement? 
Well, the, the structural position is that these companies, after being designated, have to implement the rules and the obligations that are in Article 5 and 6, a ban of self-preferencing, front conditions for lots of services, okay. uh, choice screens, the interoperability if uh, other companies want to do so. Yeah. So there are plenty of such rules and the Commission will do this in form of a regulatory dialogue with them. Mm. So they will have to speak to the Commission and the Commission uh, will check as to whether they actually implement these rules. And if they don't, they can heavily be fined. But there can also be in the long run, if there is a situation of structural non-compliance, mm. meaning three non-compliance cases in eight years, there can also be very severe uh, sanctions like structural remedies, mm. breaking up or behavioral remedies, Antitrust. whatever. So yeah. the Commission has the power to act. I see fines of up to 10% of total worldwide turnover in the preceding financial year and 20% in case of repeated infringement. That's pretty hard. Well, the 10% are already there in competition policy today. Okay. But here we have a bit of a different setting because we have done that on the basis of an internal market regulation. Okay. Because we cover the whole internal market and we go beyond competition policy. And in, in the situation that you have just been mentioning of uh, repeated cases, structural uh, non-compliance, mm -hmm. then you are really facing very high fines. For mm -hmm. sure, it's up to fines. But the Commission is in a situation, and that's what, what always was our aim, the Commission is in a very strong position to enable this regulation to work. Okay. I've got a first question for you. Uh, it's in 2024, when DMA should come into force, uh, how many extra gatekeepers do you reckon there will be? How much is this going to grow? Well, the, the situation is as follows. We are now, um, with the loyal linguists, finalizing the text. Probably in May, it will come into the Internal Market Committee again. Right. Then it will go to June or to July in the plenary. Then there are some months needed for uh, the official journal to prepare the legal text. Mm -hmm. And then it will be published, let's say, the 1st of October. Then after 20 days of uh, publication time, okay. uh, it will start entering into force and the effectiveness will start six months later. So right. from the 20th of April, it will be effective. And then the commission has to start the designation process. And this designation process can last up to 45 working days, or if they need more time, even more, five more months. Mm -hmm. And that will mean that at the end of 2023, the commission will have designated the companies and the core platform services concern, because okay. it's not about companies, it's about core platform services. And then the companies that are managing these core platform services have to be compliant after six months. Right. So beginning 2024, we will see the first results. And uh, we, we hope that the European Commission will put enough personal and enough power yeah. behind this to make it uh, a reality for consumers and uh, users in the European Union. Which I think actions have been done against some of the big uh, companies uh, that, that were not playing fair, right? Uh, that it's, it's been done. So exactly. there's been precedent set for that. Um, uh, here's one regarding uh, data. Is that, is that, does that impinge on this thing? Um, uh, health and financial data accumulation in the hands of a few gatekeepers. Do you see a risk not only of privacy, but of competition with future services? Well, in Article 5A, we have question. had a very clear... Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. In Article 5, we had a very clear, uh, 5A, a very clear rule that the combination of data um, between different services cannot be shifted. So you have for every service, for every core platform service, there is a consent needed under GDPR. And we don't want that uh, gatekeepers can mixture the data in between yeah. their CPS, whilst right. if you are a new startup, let's say on health, you have only the data in your area and cannot combine it with other. So there is a clear um, let's say, regulation 
limitation of the use of data mm. within the given core platform service. And that should bring back more competition and avoid that the gatekeepers take all the data. Because you have seen the economists probably last year saying on the question, is uh, data the new oil? Uh, no, they said uh, data are not like new oil, it's like sunshine. So if you mm. in the data economy want to survive, you need data. Yeah. And therefore, we have to make sure that all companies that want to uh, make this digital single market work have access to data. Okay. Uh, can we give a couple more concrete examples how this will affect or help uh, the average uh, uh, person who goes online? Um, maybe in terms of uh, either shopping or, uh, or buying things, paying things, that kind of thing? Well, as I said already at the beginning, Chris, this is about the contestability of markets. We haven't checked what will Chris Burns have in the evening after the entry into force. Right. You will have some examples where you have a profit. When you buy your new mobile phone, yeah. you will have choice screens where you can click, this is my email, this is my search engine, that's what I want to have, this yeah. is my browser. You will have uh, some possibilities to better understand that there can be no tying. So a company that is offering you the phone cannot tie its own services as an obligation to you. You have right. the choice. Right. Um, if you want to go for interoperability, it will depend on the services that you are using. But mm -hmm. it might be possible that you can connect to gatekeeping number independent interpersonal communication services from outside. Mm -hmm. But in the end, most of the principles in five and six, they are to make the markets again working better, like the combination of data, only within the core platform service with one. Right. Uh, the ban on self-preferencing, making sure that there is open markets and not opaque closure, foreclosure of markets. Right. Right. So there is plenty of uh, results and elements that will show to you uh, only later the impact that is positive. Okay. Uh, and we don't look for easy uh, fruits. We want to have a long-term perspective because we believe in open markets being the best source for innovation and technology in Europe. One, one example is supposedly safety net, which is uh, Google's dominance over the Android mobile uh, operating system. They, it allows Google to keep a, a quasi-monopoly over the Android market. Um, DMA is supposed to fix this. Well, there are plenty of points that uh, gatekeepers have now come up with to uh, try to avoid the DMA to hit them or to try to hit the market before the DMA mm. enters and they, into force. And they might find other ways exactly. too, right? <laughs> On the safety net uh, that, uh, that Google has done, there is a similar case with Apple. Um, okay. um, and they always try to make the money transactions only through their own systems. Yep. Um, and now Google has been saying this will make the world much safer. Well, people are disagreeing with that, saying that this is only try to tie products, financial Locking services. Locking things up. Yeah. Uh, Lock-in effects created, yeah. But um, in the end, that will be all brought to the European Commission and the European Commission will then have to, on the basis of the DMA, apply the rules that we have set. And we want to have consumers more choice, mm -hmm. not only in uh, payment systems, but there are also other elements where the Commission went now for a procedure. You may have heard about advertising services, yeah. very strongly uh, JetBlue uh, um, uh, agreements mm -hmm. um, so that markets are foreclosed because higher Efficiency being the argument of the gatekeepers, but by the competitors said that there is a monopoly or duopoly created. Mm -hmm. So the commission will have to step in uh, on that and will have to make sure that we come to more open and contestable markets in the interest of consumers. Yeah, of course, of course. And then what about in the interest of, of European uh, businesses? Um, what could this mean for some European tech companies? Is, is this an opportunity maybe? Well, again, uh, um, Chris, this is not only about European It's companies not only European, yeah. Because yeah. it's keeping a market open and a very contested market. And you know that not only American and European companies are here, there are also Chinese and others. 
Um, and they have all an interest to go into that market to acquire new clients, to right. offer new services. And therefore, the DMA will offer for investors and therefore for startups to get new money to uh, show to the market that they can compete. Right. It will also give by this chances for SMEs to enter mm -hmm. and also to grow. Yeah. Um, and as we have not foreseen for a total ban on mergers, if they are not in the, uh, um, done to be bought by gatekeepers just to close the markets, they can also be um, offering their services to gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. But what we want to achieve is also that markets are kept open in areas where we need the market. Right. So some mergers might not be possible anymore. So there is plenty of advantages also for uh, SMEs and uh, especially with the narrow multi-clauses uh, um, uh, on, um, on, uh, uh, on, on uh, offers that SMEs can do, especially, mm -hmm. for example, hotels most favored nation clauses, they are called. Right. Uh, they have the choice now to offer all different prices to all different platforms. And like that, especially small hotels, keep again their chance of deciding about the price themselves mm -hmm. and not being too much under pressure uh, by the gatekeepers. Yeah, that's another big issue. Um, okay, uh, well, we're uh, entertaining any questions that you might want to send in. You're watching this live event here at the European Parliament uh, in Strasbourg um, uh, with Andreas Schwab of the EPP Group. And uh, we, I have a question here uh, coming in the live chat of uh, YouTube, and please send in more if you feel like it. Um, do you um, see the need for, here's a question here coming in, do you see the need for more structural remedies given the limits of fines until now, as they are clearly considered as gatekeepers as part of doing business with the huge EU single market cake? That's a very interesting question. Um, it's true, and that's the starting point of this question, that mm. in competition policy uh, and the infringements that have been uh, checked by the Commission, right. we have had too long delays. And because of that, the penalties that came out in the end were not any more counterbalancing seeing the market failures that they have created. Ah. So there was a penalty, even if it was several billions, the market was so much destroyed <laughs> that there was no, uh, let's say, balance anymore. Yeah. And therefore, for sure, DMA will have a different logic. It should act faster so that markets are not broken before the intervention is coming. Um, the penalties are strong. And if there is a structural non-compliance, even the breakup and the behavioral uh, remedies and mm. even um, very high penalties are possible. So we really want to um, gatekeepers to engage with the European Commission in that regulatory dialogue to make sure that for sure their interests are heard Okay. but that the market is not forgotten. Yeah, I, I think the, uh, part of this question, I think, is how future-proof is this new regulation? How much could these gatekeepers uh, get around it? How much are you concerned about that? Well, uh, the, the future-proofing has been a very strong concern of the European Parliament, yeah. of my colleagues and myself. And there are some elements in Article 5 and 6 where we have been going for clauses that should give some uh, general uh, legal principles a chance to be applied. Right. For example, the, the famous Frant principles, uh, fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory conditions of access and remuneration, okay. uh, something that in the future might be more important, mm. as it's not so backward looking to existing competition policy cases. But there is also the possibility for the Commission to adapt uh, rules in 5 and 6 with yeah. delegated legislation. Yeah, that's what actually I saw that uh, in, uh, what is it, in the next few years, you will revisit this. You'll look at it again uh, uh, to see whether it needs to be amended, right? The, the 
Ah, the interoperability provisions will be assessed in the future. Well, right. generally speaking, you tweak we it. don't want to change the law immediately. The, right. the law is fine. Yeah. The Commission can adapt it in non-essential areas with delegated legislation. So they will draft a proposal. This will be sent to Council and to Parliament. And if there is no contradiction within eight weeks, they can mm -hmm. go on with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that only works for non-essential changes. Okay. And therefore, the future proofing here is a bit more tricky. But we have helped with this already in the text, which is so far on the table. Mm -hmm. And um, the interoperability mechanism foresees some sort of step-by-step -step approach because we wanted to make sure as a parliament that encryption is uh, the, by far the most important element to be kept. So we yeah. said, if there is a one-to-one -one communication, which can be made already encrypted today, then we go for it immediately. Okay. But for the group chats, encryption will need more thought to be given. And therefore, the Commission will have two years or on attachments for group chats, four years to implement that to okay. make sure that encryption is maintained. Okay, what about on the other side? What I'm sure uh, these, some of these companies are saying this is overregulating. You're going to stifle the market if you do this. How do you answer that? Well, I mean, the fact is that the law is the law. And we want the law to be respected also by the biggest companies of the world. Mm. Now, definitely, the rules in Article 5 and 6, they are quite heavy. But to avoid bureaucracy and to avoid red tape, we only apply them to those companies that have a proven nature of over-dominance. Ah, okay. right. For them, for sure, it's difficult. But uh, the right. dominance is there and we have to, to cope with it and we have to fix it. And therefore, I think yeah. our approach is most positive for SMEs and for the market itself, because it's a tailor-made approach, which is very flexible because the Commission can apply the rules as they think is best. Mm -hmm. uh, here's another one. Uh, thanks for all your work on this, uh, with today's Politico covering how Microsoft forces its customers to use its cloud services. Do you not think that this should have been dealt with with the DMA? Well, the Commission has come up with a list of core platform services where they have said there is a proven situation of dominance. Okay. Um, we and have, is that a clear example of it? Uh, the, 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 the business cloud is not a clear example, at least in the eyes of the European Commission. Okay. But there can be new core platform service added to the Digital Markets Act mm -hmm. when the Commission comes to the conclusion that there is dominance. I so I think for those people that have strong doubts about that and expect the cloud business market to be a CPS as well. The European Commission, I'm sure, will assess that mm -hmm. and we will push them to come up with um, up-to-date figures because we for sure want to know all the time what are the markets that are about to be foreclosed, what are the dominant players in the different markets and how can we avoid too much dominance so that innovation and new technology have a chance all over the place. Okay. Another question coming in, and please send in your questions if you have any others. Uh, we have just a few minutes left here. Uh, regarding, here's one, regarding killer acquisition temporary ban for repeated gatekeepers infringers. Does that make sense to you? Uh, given experience, would you be in favor of strong, a stronger ban when EU antitrust authorities look at future digital mergers? Does that have to do with the DMA? Yes, too? I am. Mergers, yeah, yep. I'm in favor of this. You're in favor of this? Yeah. I think yeah. there is a, a case to be made uh, that uh, in some areas, for example, the, the merger of WhatsApp and Facebook, yeah. competition policy concerns haven't been uh, assessed um, deeply enough. Mm. And we would like to avoid that to happen again. Yeah. So therefore, 
You are first of all, we have to control mergers in general. But if there is a company in structural non-compliance, for sure we have to make sure that they cannot continue to buy the market. They have to compete the market with their own services. Right, right. Um, I think we're uh, getting close to the end here. Is there anything else you wanted to add about, you know, what the next steps are? What well, about the, there's a Digital Markets Act, but there's also the Digital Services Act. That's something also to mention as well. The Absolutely. idea, I think, is that, you know, the, the, the internet is, in its, in its full form, is, is not that old, right? It's, it's what, less than 20 years old, when it, when, if you really think about it. Uh, but, but we also have to catch up with regulation to regulate these days what the conditions are now. And that's what we're doing, right? With the, the markets and the services act. Right? Well, it's, it's clear that in the area of purely economic logics, the Digital Markets Act will fix a lot of problems. The commission will enforce it. And there are existing practices and cooperations between authorities all over the world, where the European Commission is a leader of that, that can fix this and mm. can work on it. But on the legal elements and the control of legal and non-legal elements in the internet on platforms, it's true that the e-commerce directive is a very old tool, 20 years outdated. And uh, therefore, with the Digital Services Act, which is about to be finalized in the next weeks, ah. uh, the European Parliament and the European Council want together making sure that in the internet there is a better control of illegal content and illegal content to be taken down immediately. Yeah, like that one hour rule for some things, right? Well, I uh, mean, you know, dangerous products yeah. uh, in, in marketplaces, well. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also illegal uh, um, claims uh, uh, as, as comments, for example. Mm. Um, and on that, we have to have a better cooperation of member states' authorities. Yeah. And we have also to have an oversight of the European Commission. But it's also true that platforms have to take more responsibility mm. because for sure we want um, platforms to be the, the driver of the open internet and, and making possible that consumers can easily uh, get in touch with each other, can easily chat, but there has to be also control of content because we don't want that Europe destroys its own intellectual property, yeah. its own freedom of speech principles, its own legally, legality principle, and the DSA will fix that to a large extent, I'm quite sure. What do you think, <coughs> how much of an Im Im impact will these regulations have beyond the borders of the EU? In other regulations, it is seen as a way, the EU is seen as a way to, to kind of drive regulation in other parts of the world. What do you, and, and also the thing is that if you're regulating by yourself, it, you really do need other allies on board with you to make this actually work, right? True, true, true. Um, I mean, we have already had landmark legislation in digital. I was myself rapporteur on the Network and Information Services Directive, the NIS, cybersecurity, right. uh, which has, for example, taken over as it stands by Japan and other uh, um, Mm. legislations mm. and the same for the GDPR for data protection and I think with the DMA and the DSA we enter a new era of tech legislation okay and we hope that it's balanced and proportionate and flexible enough to show how at worldwide level we can fix uh, monopolies and dominance in uh, digital markets and that is a key question for our western economies because the more open they stay the more open will the societies stay behind yeah. and the more innovative the markets will become because these these major companies are mainly based in the us and 
How much cooperation do you see with the U.S. government on, on excellent cooperation this now with this new this be, other, because we have Biden the same government. concerns, we have the same legal basis, we have yeah. the same values. Uh, the question is only when a similar legislation will come up in the U.S. as well, mm -hmm. and we want to fix it together because we don't want to close companies. What we want to open is the markets, yeah. and that is something that we share totally. Right, Andrei Schwab. I think I'll, we'll let you go back into the parliament now. You've got a lot of other things, uh, exactly. fish to fry. Thanks so much, But Chris. thank you so much. And thanks to all of you for uh, watching uh, this live event of the EPP group here in the European Parliament. Uh, you're welcome to watch a, uh, a rerun of this. If you just came in halfway, uh, you play back on YouTube and uh, more information on this and other things, many other things on eppgroup.eu. My name is Chris Burns. See you next time.